0: Hello and welcome into the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and I'm joined as always by Alex Winton. And we are here about an hour after the Grizzlies got a big win at home over the Warriors. have uh, having been the Warriors since Game 5 in the playoffs last year. Uh, lost to him twice in Golden State earlier this season so it was good to finally get a win against him Uh, like they said on the broadcast kind of a budding rivalry in the NBA right now Uh, but yeah awesome game and uh, to start we're just going to get like initial reactions Uh, I'll start the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the whole Dylan Brooks versus Draymond thing coming into the game and I'll say I think that Dylan, even though like a little bit in the video, he did get cooked a little bit in the video. Like he did get cooked a little bit in the video, but he responded with a really good game. He was getting he he was getting into it with Steph, Clay, Draymond, everybody. He was getting into it with everybody. They came out with the win. I think late in the game when he forced that turnover and Steph ran out of bounds and he like screamed and he showed all that emotion. That was when it was like you could really feel how important this game was to him after all that that was said the day before. So really big win for the Grizzlies, but also a big personal win for Dylan Brooks as well. And the post-game press conference was awesome. It was just an awesome game just in general.
1: Yeah, no, it was funny because Dylan Brooks was basically saying, like, he needs to – Jeremiah needs to keep talking about him on the podcast to make him play better. And, hey, I feel him. Gonna have, if it's gonna help him play like this, at least that was I say the, the good that fourth quarter and first half, yeah. I, I'm here for it. I'll I'll be here for it. That that that's what I'm here for. But yeah, nah. Grizz played well for the most part. Um I'm just trying to think of really what they really did well. Cause I mean, it really they shot lights out. I'm gonna say that. They really just shot lights out first half, and then there was a few lineup. Question, not questionable lineups, but too too many questionable letting the lineups go too long type thing yeah. where you have rookies in there. Like Jenkins had Roddy and Zaire in there. And it's not bad, but you got no one to pull the plug. It's the field thing. That's where my criticism comes from Jenkins sometimes is where he doesn't necessarily feel more off script. He's more script mm-hmm. than he is. Let me go off this field. Like I need to keep him in or I need to take him out. And so you kind of let that lead. He evaporate away, and then as soon as Jaren comes in the game, your lead's back up. And then, you know, so it's just little stuff like that. But, I mean, you know, he did decent. He didn't do too much, so I'll give him some credit tonight. You know, he didn't do – he didn't try to do too many crazy things.
0: Definitely, um, yeah. yeah nah,
1: they really just closed out the game for the most part. I never really felt like the game was, like, in danger. I guess it's because we're good at home. Like, we're home merchants, is I like to say. Yeah. Uh, so it really didn't feel like, oh man, we're gonna lose this game. Maybe a little bit in the third, but like that's it though. But like I felt good the whole game. Like I felt like we was gonna win. So,
0: yeah, definitely. I'll say one thing they did very well tonight was the rebounding because that's been an issue. Uh, before Stephen Adams like left, they were first in rebounding. Since Stephen Adams has been out, they've been twenty second. I rebounded the Warriors by ten. Had more offensive rebounding, offensive rebounds than the Warriors did which that was a big issue like in that Clippers game. They were just getting killed on the boards. So it's been uh, – it was good to see that. And then, like you said, they just really shot the ball really well, hit 18 three-pointers, uh, 36 assists as a team. It was really just like on offense. Uh, they The ball was flowing really well. Uh, and they did a really good job of like attacking that small ball lineup that the Warriors played where, I mean, the biggest guy in their lineup was Draymond Green. And I think that also was, like, really good for Jaren, too. It helped Jaron kind of get going uh, because he had a mismatch on everybody. I mean, you could say whether or not it's a mismatch with Draymond because Draymond is a great defender, but it's one screen and you got Dante DiVincenzo guarding you and stuff like that. So it, he he was eaten in that first half, and uh, they couldn't do anything about him, fouled him a lot, got to the free throw line, was six out of seven from the line. Uh, so big game for Jaren and just – yeah, this is what they needed a win like this uh, after those couple of tough losses. Really, just a tough week, uh, for the team in general, which we'll talk about uh more of the other situations past this uh after we get through the game, uh, because we do got a lot to talk about this week, uh. But yeah, no, nah, it was just it's it's always good to get a win uh over a Western Conference team. Uh, and then another chance for another one coming up on Saturday with the Mavericks coming into town, too. Uh, you got to take advantage of these home games, uh, especially down the stretch with how close the West is. And you know that the West is <laughs> as tight as it's ever been. And it's to the point to where a couple losses. Even though the Grizzlies are still in a good position now, I know that they fell down to the three seed and uh, they're fighting with the Kings and everything now. But in the grand scheme of things, I would much be rather fighting for that two seed than being in the position of a team like where the Warriors are now where they lose a couple more games, they have to worry about the play-in again. So grand scheme of things, the Grizzlies are in a still in a pretty solid place when you look at the Western Conference.
1: Yeah, they just don't need to fall in that. I mean, the lowest I could see them falling is four realistically because like five is only two games above 500. and the Clippers right now and then like Five through ten is basically like separated by like two or three games. So like like you said, a losing streak could put you maybe at like 11, 10. A winning streak could put you at five at this point. Still, because I think there's like twenty, a good, a still good amount of games where you can still make mm-hmm. a little run. So those teams are really fighting. Like Golden State, Minnesota, Dallas all have the same record right now, and that's six through eight. And then you got LA and New Orleans are like just a Right, an identical record, so it's really gonna come down to literally every game. Like, every game's gonna matter for them. Whereas, West will it'll matter in the grand scheme of things, but you'll realistically have home court in round one, regardless, or you should, as long as you don't really fall off like completely, like just start losing home games. Then you're we should be fine. We should be
0: definitely. I mean, I, I think they should be fine, uh, but then just to keep going more on this game, uh, I think that defensively I think that was like the one of the bigger things tonight especially in that first half I think they held them to what like 48 points in the first half or whatever or no 57 points it was something crazy like I know they score 40 the Grizzlies score 48 in the first quarter and I think the Warriors only have 57 at halftime so uh just it was like on both ends of the floor and I think uh I mean Steph obviously had a great game but they made it really hard on especially Clay. Uh Clay didn't get a lot of open looks from 3. I thought they did a really good job with that. And then uh Dylan, I mean Steph is going to be Steph. He had 29 and he shot the ball pretty well. Uh but he made it as hard as he could on Steph and I mean it just it felt like the Grizzlies had control of the game from the opening tip off, which is interesting cuz it seems like at home, they do that. You know, at home, they do that, whether it was the Nuggets that came in, whether it was the Bucks that came in and got beat by 40. uh, You see this game, they win by 21. So it's just really interesting. I've never seen a team that is so home and road, like the home and road difference is so big, which is, I mean, it's kind of funny when you look at it on the other side, because the Warriors are the same way in the other way. Well, yeah, the they're same. now what? Like seven and 26 or seven yeah. and 25 on the road this year now after yeah. this loss which is even worse than the grizzlies are so it's <laughs> it's just weird like teams like that it's funny two two of the teams coming into it where people were saying we're probably going to be the two best teams in the west coming into the like in the off season a lot of people were saying that both really horrible on the road i and that's so it's so weird for the warriors because you would expect like a young team to be bad on the road but you don't expect them to be bad on the road because they've always went on the road in the playoffs every year and i i don't know it's just weird. this it's it's such, it's been a weird year just overall for the entire conference
1: yeah it has i'll say this though about them their their season kind of you could tell, and people don't want to say it then, but their season was kind of in question when Draymond punched full before the season. I think it was before the season. That yeah. kind of messed it up. Because chemistry is a big part of everything. I try to tell folks, like, we've seen teams. I, you can just put a roster together and be good, but chemistry is a big proponent of it. And I'm not saying that chemistry's not bad. Like, obviously, the core guys got good chemistry.
0: Mm-hmm. But, like,
1: I think I clipped the game before that we just, like, they played OKC. And I think pull missed Draymond on a pass and Draymond, like, walked off the floor. Like, something like that. Basically just gave up on the play. And, like, that type of little stuff like that can kind of mess up your season, especially on the road when they're already not good. Because, like, Steph did the same. Like, tonight Steph had a worse game than he did against OKC. He still had a good game. But, Mm -hmm. like, they still lost. Like, it doesn't matter really what Steph does. It seems like their roster is kind of lacking consistency, especially on the road. So, but, like, I think a, a lot of teams are on the road, mostly lacking because consistency this year for the most part. Um, I think there's only like three or four teams I can really name that are really good on the road. And those teams are like real legit title contenders. So,
0: yeah, definitely. And then uh, another person that we got to talk about is Tyus Jones uh, because he continues to prove, like, without while Jaws away from the team, he's continued to just be awesome. 22 points, 11 assists, really steadied the offense. Uh, like I said, they had 36 assists uh, tonight as a team. A lot of that was because of the way he passed the ball. And I'll also give a lot of credit to Dylan Brooks for having six assists tonight. Desmond Bain has six assists tonight. Uh, kind of like a point guard by committee thing uh, for everybody besides Tyus tonight. And I think it it was kind of, it was rough at times, especially in that second quarter when the Warriors actually did make that comeback, uh, it was that lineup where there was no true point guard out there when there was more Desmond Bain playing point. And it, yeah, as you Alex is shaking his head. If you're listening to the audio only version, he's shaking his head because it did it did not look it did not look good. Uh but then they were able to take that punch and then kind of respond really well once Tyus and Jaron came back in. Uh but yeah, just overall, just it just, just because of the last stretch that they've had, it's just good to see them actually get a wire to wire win where they looked like the team that you know they can be for, if not the full forty eight minutes, at least like forty two out of the forty eight minutes they looked really really good, and I'll take it.
1: Yeah, la- yeah. Thing I was gonna say is um, they they did that the last couple games too. I feel like to some degree. But, again, I've always said it. they It's not like they're bad the whole game. It's just about being consistent. And I always say consistency for anybody, whether you're a coach, player, whatever, it's the mm. hardest thing to do in the NBA is be consistent night in, night out for 82, then plus playoffs. Like, it's always hard. And for them, they can be good in stretches, like spurts. Like, oh, hey. they Like, in that third quarter against L.A., Like or against the Clippers, I should say, they mm. were smoking hot. In the fourth, they just went cold. Like, they just got to build consistency. Like, tonight they were – if I say consistent, first half they were good, third quarter was like a average third quarter. I mean, even second to a degree, but third really first half they were good, second they were eh. Then you had third quarter they were eh. and then fourth they kind of finished it off. Like, but they were building though. You know what I mean? They they played better, more consistently tonight. So you know you just got to keep building that, and hopefully you can get to forty eight at least. You hope it's hard to get to forty eight full consistency, but you know we'll take forty two. 43
0: like it's close enough as long as long as as long as those five aren't the last five minutes of the game and i think that was the big thing is they finally like you saw them close the game too because the warriors like they were within arm's reach. they had cut it to five like late in i think it was five or six in that fourth quarter uh and then they had another one of those runs to kind of put them away uh, which i also thought was a really good thing to see because we haven't really seen that especially, I mean, we've seen it at home in home games. So the next thing will be, can they take that on the road? Uh, Starting with that game in Dallas is going to be coming up next week. Uh, but yeah, all in all, like I said, just to start a good win, uh, emotional win for the guys, obviously because of the opponent uh, and a win that hopefully can build some momentum. It seems like they're finally learning how to play without Steven Adams. Even though they haven't been able to do it for four quarters consistently yet, you can tell that they're getting better. Uh and then hopefully uh when he comes back when that it will now it'll be in the playoffs. Hopefully when he comes back in the playoffs, it'll just help him even more. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy. Here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down We break down who will be cutting.
1: Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-Lay Snacket.SBNation.com. Yeah. Um, just, I just, you know, you, you just, I just want to us, for us to continue to build consistency. That's really my biggest thing is just um, making sure that we do what we need to do to keep building. Because again, I know we're going to get into it, obviously about everything but like there's still a lot of positives to take from what the Grizzlies are doing right now I, I think personally I know people be trying to judge me for being very optimistic a lot but like I promise you it's not there there's some things you can look at and be optimistic about but we'll get into it though
0: yeah definitely and then speaking of getting into it uh we gotta start we gotta go ahead and move on to the update on the Java Rant situation uh, which I'm sure everybody listening to this knows what happened. Uh, this weekend or this past weekend, uh, Jot at the nightclub on the Instagram live video, uh, flashing the gun and everything, which yeah, it was, it was a bad look definitely, especially after all the that other stuff had been coming out uh, in the past weeks so of if like somebody had they had a laser at the Pacers incident and like all of that. Uh, talking about at his house. There's a lot. There's been a lot of stuff in the news the last couple of weeks. weeks. Uh, so Ja away from the team. Uh, no criminal charges coming from Denver. Uh, doesn't seem like there's going to be any. As of now, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a su- substantial suspension from the NBA. We'll see if that changes uh, right now. It seems like the team and Ja have kind of just decided that he's going to stay away from the team. Now it's not necessarily a suspension, uh, but it's also not necessarily not a suspension, I guess, uh, just kind of see, get him, you know, yeah, l- let, let, him get right. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's a tough situation to kind of navigate. Cause obviously, uh, the first thing is, you know, Ja has to take accountability, uh, for making a mistake, you know, being on Instagram live. Uh, I think it even goes further deeper than the gun, you know, like being out. Uh, after a loss and all that and uh, after Steven Adams has had the team meeting about, you know, going out when they're on the road and, you know, locking in for the last stretch of the season. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully it'll be a learning experience for him and that whenever he does come back, he'll come back better.
1: Yeah, um, I got a lot to say about the job thing. Not really. I do. I mean, I don't want to say too much because everybody already knows about it. It kind of it's everywhere. So, I guess for me, it's kind of like with Ja, I wasn't surprised when it happened. I woke up and like people were adding me about it and was like, what's going on? And I, you know, it's just, I was just like, I wasn't necessarily surprised because this is a pattern that's gone back to the summer, obviously, with the reports that we've had. Like it's kind of just been a pattern of bad behavior or bad choices, I'll say. Um, and obviously, it just it meant like a head on collision. Um, but yeah, um, with Ja, I just think he just has to take a, again, just got to grow up. I understand that, you know, he's saying he has to get right. And that's part of it. If, if he has to get right and go get right, get your help that you need. But I think for him, um, he just has to, you know, be more mature. Um, because again, he's the face of a franchise, not only face of a franchise, one of the faces of the future, one of the young faces of the league. And so you just can't move the way you've been moving before um, or move like you, you got to know what position you're in and I'm not even going to talk about the basketball, forget the basketball at this point right now. This dude is a father first. That's really what more so where my, I, I guess I won't say frustration, but just my questions come from, it's like, you, you know, you got to be more better for your father or for your daughter, because again, at the end of the day, like that's who you really doing it for all this, really. So mm-hmm. um, I think he just really has to get right um, in terms of, The dead are really the timeline for him. I this take might age bad. So, again, if y'all want to at me on Twitter or whatever, listen, I'll take it on the chin if it, it ages bad. Now, I'm not saying he's not gonna play for the rest of the year, but I wouldn't, I think there's a real possibility that he might not play for the rest of the year. I'm not saying he's not going to. I could see him back in the you know, I think they said four games, right. He's gonna yeah, they said
0: miss- he's gonna miss it. Well, it three games after this one. So yeah. the next three games after the Warriors game.
1: Yeah, so four games. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did come back. You know what I mean? He still got the shoe coming out. Like he might do, you know, like he might come back before that, whatever, you know. But I would not be surprised if he didn't. Because the way the Grizzlies have been talking, the way news outlets have been talking, it just seems like if you're really gonna get the help that you're gonna need it's not gonna be fixed in a short amount of time span, especially when the patterns yeah. of bad choices go back to a year. Like if you're talking about two things that happened in the summer and two things that happened during the year, that's just not gonna be fixed in two, four games. Like I can't get like if you really want him to get the help that he needs, he probably needs this time to get it like whatever time he needs to take, he needs to take. Because at the end of the day, not to say the season is done or anything, because you still got games to play and there's still positives to take from it.
0: Mm-hmm. But that,
1: that along with other things, with injuries, your season's kind of not bleak, but the expectation has changed on the season versus what it was, after all these choices, whether it's the injuries, whether it's the choices he's made. So, you know, I, if he doesn't come back, nobody should necessarily be critical of it, I think, because it's about the long-term thing. He's 23 at the end of the day, so it's not like this is a bad choice that's going to hurt him forever. Right now, depending on what he does after is what's going really what's going to matter. What's going to happen? after? Definitely. We could be back, yeah, we could be looking back in what five, seven years from now. And the Grizzlies are on top better days and he's the, the one of the faces and this team is great. Or we could look back and it could be the the beginning of whatever, you know, of, you know, of disaster, whatever you want to call it. But it's going to be ultimately on him. Now, he's not the only person that plays a role in this, obviously, front office, the other top core players, but like he's the best player at the end of the day. And if your best player can't be locked in and focused on the main thing, which is obviously being the, you know, being an NBA player, you're more focused on the lifestyle than you are the actual NBA basketball part of it itself. It's going to be hard to even win because it takes a lot to win in this league. And mm-hmm. they, the Grizzlies talk about winning or sustaining winning over a long period of time. And it's going to be hard to do that when your best player is not focused on that because they set the tone for everything else. So when he's not locked in, which was shown over the last year, not to say he can't still play good and put up stats, but it's bigger than just the stats. As you see, it's bigger than just the stats. It's about the mindset. It's about how you carry yourself on and off the court. It's all, everything goes into it. And so, you know, for me, you know, I just hope he takes the time he needs to get right. I think he'll bounce back. You know, I think he'll be fine but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him play again. Now that might age bad. Cause it'd be like, Oh, he'd be back in two weeks. And that, you know, y'all, y'all can kill me. Maybe you know, like
0: I can see it going either way. Like I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. he doesn't play for the rest of the year. Just like you said, it's about him getting right. And I also like what you said about the fact that, you know, this could be a turning point. I'll say uh, just in general, obviously he needs to take accountability. He made a mistake, but this could have been much worse you know what i mean uh Man. like is like when you're talking about just this denver situation like you're like luckily nobody was shot nobody was injured nobody was physically hurt in this scenario so it's one of those things where it's more of like a wake up call uh than something where you know there's actually going to be criminal charges or something like this Uh, And it's like, we've seen, you know, scenarios like this in sports in the past, uh, scenarios where it has ended way worse than this. So this is something to where, like you said, take some time, think about like the choices you're making, some of the people that you're hanging around, uh, are they good influences? Are they people that you should be listening to, Uh, you know, and are they people, maybe, it's, it's hard to find a lot of people with more to lose than John ja Morant uh, in this, like, just in the world in general, but don't be around people that don't have anything to lose either. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you got to be around people that have, like, a similar mindset and want the best for you. Uh, so, I think that's that's another thing that he's going to have to evaluate. Uh, not saying that he has to just cut everybody off or anything, uh, but just evaluate, like, some of those relationships. Uh everybody that was there for you at one point doesn't have to, you know, be there for you now uh that you're the nba superstar all that. Uh not everybody can can do that. Not everybody is actually like wants the best for you. And I think that's something that he's going to have to kind of navigate uh which I think everybody has to navigate. Uh but it does seem like, you know, like he said in that statement, you know, dealing with stress and the stresses of becoming an nba superstar. Uh, not to say that it's like making an excuse for anything that he's done, but more of just like an understanding of how he got there. I think that's that's what I would ask is like, you know, not not to make excuses for anything, but to understand some of the pressure and stuff that is on him. Uh, and obviously, he has to get better, but I think he is in a good position. He he's in a good position to make things right, and whether or not it's with basketball. Uh, obviously, he's gonna play again, whether that's uh, this season, whether it's next year, or whatever it is gonna be. Uh, but I do think that when it comes to like the basketball standpoint, bringing him back when he's not back to like a hundred percent and with the right mindset, uh, it's not gonna help as much if his mindset isn't right. So making sure that his mindset is right after all this, uh, making sure that he's focused on basketball and not focused on the media like whirlwind that'll be around him once he comes back as well uh because you know that that's another thing that I don't think people have really talked about is that first media availability because Ja has not even spoken to anybody hasn't spoken to the media at all really uh, besides no social media so so, like no no social media. media so the only contact that we have had like directly with John Morant to the public is that one statement. So there's going to be a lot when he comes back asking him questions about the situation, asking him questions uh, about, you know, the time he missed. Why did he miss time? Did the Grizzlies tell him to do it? Did he decide to do it? What did he do? Like there's going to be a lot of questions. So just focusing, like making sure that he can navigate that as well And also, you know, focus on basketball down the last stretch of the game. But like I said, if he's not back to 100%, then, or like mentally, there's like, it's not going to matter on the basketball court. So just make, just, I just hope that he's taking this time to make sure that he, you know, take some time to like reflect, understand like what you did wrong and kind of see where you go from there.
1: Yeah and I I add one more thing it's not like jazz always been like this like cuz I even had to go check cuz you know I look at other people's interviews and stuff like that like cuz I think it was Vernon he was talking about it and like talking about jazz like rookie interview like when he first got there and it's just like wow cuz like obviously these people grow up too you know obviously we see them grow before eyes cuz these like they come in like 18 19 he's 19 20 years old like we seen Jaron grow up from like a, a like basically an actual adult, like acting mature, and like it's crazy, right? And it's just with Ja, um, he, he hasn't always been like this, because we didn't hear nothing about this like his rookie year, sophomore year. It, it, it's been a trend that seems to happen over the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really where the hope should come from. And also, like you said, there's too much at stake you would think in every aspect to not figure it out, especially it being on Jump Street. I think, personally, if it would have stayed the way it stayed in terms of how we got the reports about what happened in the summer, but they came out month after. And obviously no disrespect to the media of Memphis, but we are a smaller market. So Mm -hmm. the stories are going to stay more so in the market at times, depending on the context of it, the situation, the information, and how how they frame it, they can just sweep it under the rug. But this can't be swept under the rug. People, like this was talked about on like the Today Show, like the NBC, like those big news outlets. And when they're talked about on them, like, everybody knows about it. Yeah. Everybody knows about it. So, and to me, personally, you got to look yourself in the mirror when it gets to that point, because especially as a guy, potentially as the face of belief, you got to think the people, the kids that watch you, their parents are watching these channels and they see that person that they look up to on the channels and the wrong, you know, for the wrong reasons. You mm. know what I mean? How's that gonna reflect? And you got to think about it like that. And it's like, dang, like, I really got to really reevaluate what am I doing because once it gets to the jump street like this where everybody's talking about you, you can't avoid it because no. And I think that's, avoid, you know?
0: that's another yeah. thing I'll say is that I think the last couple years, it's like, you see how quickly somebody can go from, you know, Oh, this is a pretty good college player that we saw him dunk a couple times to where he ha- was before this incident and being, you know, one of the, most popular players in the nba i mean still is obviously one of the most popular players in the nba but then to see how like basically well really yeah overnight the image that the vast majority of people have of you can change and you know you like think about in the grand scheme of things it's two seconds of the instagram live video is maybe two seconds of the video and it's like those two seconds have changed everybody's perspective on, and and now these people think they know you, your background, your parents, uh, the way you, like, everything. They know everything about you because it's video. And it's just, like, really realizing that you are under such a microscope when you become, like, that level of star, too. And it's just, I I gotta, like, you gotta imagine it's hard to do that when you're coming from a guy that was like from a small town in South Carolina to now, like you said you sh- you have a mistake and it's blasted across the country the world wherever i like it's it it was the story for like two days it was like the difficult. number it, it, like it 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 was leading news uh telecasts like whether it was sports non sports like you said it was on the today show. So, yeah, it was like the biggest story for a couple of days. Uh obviously it's died down a little bit as more has come out and you know, there's not going to be any charges and stuff like that. Uh but yeah, it's it's been a tough week just in general uh for the Grizzlies cuz obviously uh the last thing that we're going to talk about is also some injury news uh since the last podcast uh we did lose Brandon Clark with a torn Achilles for the rest of this season and probably for a lot of next season too uh which is also going to be really tough uh so prayers up for BC for sure for a speedy recovery i know that uh he's already had his surgery uh i so we'll we'll see uh when we get an update on him but it's not it's not going to be for a minute. you know i would not be i would not look for BC or start even thinking about BC until all-star break next year. Yep,
1: 2024, or maybe even after. Um, But I will add this in for BC to be hopeful. Um, If they treat the injury like the prior people had, that have had an injury and treat it more like an ACL in terms of the recovery, he should be fine. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the same bouncy BC automatically, but a player that I would I would suggest people go look at is the White Pal because not to say they're the same player, but live Threat six eight six nine that guys, they're you know they do not similar things, but they play the same role. And the White Pal tore his like two or three years ago, and now he's still averaging the same numbers and like he's still a productive player in the league to some degree. And BC I think IQ wise and defensively is better than him. And so with that being said, as long as he takes the right steps to recover and they take a longer timeline because you got to think clay missed the year with the Achilles and Katie missed the year and not to say they didn't lose something, but they didn't really like, you really couldn't tell they lost something. They, they come back still good, efficient players. Like
0: Mm -hmm. Katie
1: came back after Achilles injury and was still top 10 player. And I know those are different talents, but Dwight Powell came back and he's still a, a productive NBA player. So I don't think it's the end of the world for BC, Because I think people were like, oh, well, he's going to lose his athleticism. It's like it's not – I know he dunked a lot, but he was one of the most efficient players with a floater. It's not like he's going to lose his touch because he lost a little bit of balance. So he's still going to be a fine player. Yeah, and he's not going to lose his IQ. Like, Mm -hmm. So I would be more hopeful on that end, especially because this is modern medicine we're talking about. A lot of these injuries are not a death sentence for these guys that it used to be 20 years ago. So I just hope people will be more optimistic about BC recovering now. But I will say, like you said, it's probably going to be a while before we see him. But when he comes back, we shouldn't be worried about what he's going to look like.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then uh, the other news, Stephen Adams is going to be out for at least another four weeks after a uh, stem cell procedure uh, for that knee injury. Hopefully it'll mean that when he does come back, he'll be closer to 100 percent than he was before. Uh, kind of had like a reevaluation thing, and they decided that he was gonna have to stay out for a little bit longer after meeting with some other doctors. Uh, but that's a really tough blow. Uh, like I, I think, uh, they were first. The Grizzlies were first in rebounds before Stephen Adams got hurt. They're 22nd since he's been out of the lineup. Uh, I know I said that earlier, but it's like that's gonna be a big issue because I know the like. Tonight against the Warriors, they shot the ball really well, but they're really not a great shooting team, so they got to make up for that with a lot of offensive rebounds and having more possessions than their opponent. And no Stephen Adams has been a big issue. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why you'll see that in terms of win, loss, with or without Stephen Adams looks like the most important player to the team. You looks just simply at uh, the team's record with them versus without him. And it's because of that, Uh, and then that on top of BC being out just really hurts that front court rotation.
1: Yeah, the versatility. I think for me, the BC thing hurt more than the the Jaws stuff. Not to say Jaws not important, but Mm -hmm. just in terms of the home stretch, and and, yeah, not Adams too because I mean it's it's like like, it's. I
0: think it's more the BC stuff on top of Adams already being out. Yeah, it just hurts. It just hurts even more because those are your two best guys on the glass for sure like not even a question like if you had to point at two guys to be the the reason why they were like number one in rebounding it would be first Stephen Adams by a long shot and then you would have Brandon Clark as probably the second guy and you saw what he did in that Timberwolves series last year you know he's a guy that has had huge impacts in the playoffs so that it's just really tough especially when you look at Uh, who they actually have on the roster too because they got a lot of young guys that actually haven't been playing in the playoffs before uh, trying to step up and replace them, Uh, which that's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Xavier Tillman is going to be replacing Steve-O in the starting lineup from now on. He's been doing well in that role. Uh, Santi Aldama is going to have to play a lot more because he was already playing a lot, but now they're basically going to be asking him to make up for BC's minutes too. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they navigate that. Uh, probably going to see more David Roddy in there too, just because he's another kind of big body, even though he's more of like a three than the than really a four or five, and uh, to really help that like power forward and center rotation. But he's just he'll be out there because he has size too. Uh, which that's that, that's gonna that's gonna be one of the issues. The Grizzlies don't have a ton of size now. Without both Brandon Clark and Steven Adams,
1: yeah, they lose a lot of line, line of versatility too. Because now with Jaren, I mean, you can still play big with Jaren Asante and still play smaller with Jaren and X. But just BC and usually BC and Jaren, going dating back to year one of they them all together, you got Jaren and BC on the floor like Ja. That's kind of crazy, like mm-hmm. speci- or like a jaw line up a Ja Bane Dylan. Jaren BC is like cold. That Jaren BC duo is cold. Like they their plus minus is wild. Like it's ridiculous because they fit so well together. And then you could play big with Adam. So now it's kind of like, what do you do now? Not to say you can't do the same thing, but it's just hard to replicate it because Santi and X are different players than Brandon Clark and Adam. So it's kind of hard to to replicate that same thing but they can still be effective in what they do well you know next to Jaren because Jaren's versatile so it's not going to be too much of an issue but you just got to figure it out it's really just going to be off of field like Jenkins got some work to do obviously like you know he's gonna have to just try stuff which he has already so because sometimes we can't even be mad because there's lack of options so he's going to have to try some things um throughout the game just hopefully it doesn't hurt you in the win-loss column too much
0: Yeah, and like you said, they're going to have to try a lot of new stuff, kind of like tonight, and it's not always going to work. Like I said earlier, like that second quarter lineup where there was no actual point guard on the floor, like did not do well at all. And it's like, but that's not really Jenkins' fault because, I mean, you could argue, you know, throw Kennedy Chandler out there, but Kennedy hasn't really been playing that much, and he's really the only other true point guard on the roster, right? Which I would say, I would have liked to see him out there maybe just to see what he could give I would too. Just just because that lineup, it really, they needed somebody that could be like a facilitator. There wasn't a lot of movement and stuff. It really just felt like they weren't running the offense because they didn't have a true point guard out there. So I would have liked to see him out there too. But it's still going to come down to Santi stepping up uh, with no BC. And then with the whole Josh situation, not knowing how long he's going to be out, I, you got to look at Jaron Jackson Jr. to basically – I know it's hard, but you got to look at him like you basically got to be, like you don't have to be Ja, but you have to try to make up for as much of his production as possible, and so far he's done a good job. Three straight twenty point games since Ja's been out, uh. But they're just gonna have to continue to feed him and just run the offense through him, uh, over this. Last stretch until Jock gets back, and then even when Jock gets back, I really hope that they continue to use what they learned from the stretch without him uh, to show that when Jaron has mismatches, he can completely change the complexion of the game Uh when he just attacks people on offense. And I think you saw a little bit of that in the Warriors game too.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know the hashtag #Feed13. Get him the ball, and then when J- and if Jock come back. Listen, I'm looking at Ja, Tyus, and Jenkins. Y'all better get Jaren the ball. I understand he in foul trouble sometimes, but get him the ball, y'all. I'm not gonna keep saying this. I say this on the timeline all the time. Y'all follow me. Y'all know I will be on their heads. Get him the ball, like tonight. He should. He had what? He had like 21. Let me check. I think he had 21. Yeah, 21, 21 points. Should have 20, probably should have 30. Let's be honest. He probably should have 30 because there was a couple of times where they didn't give him the ball. I think it was third quarter, start of third. And then I'm seeing X take shots. Dylan takes shots. Why are we not getting the best player the ball right now? I, y'all wonder why we lose the lead. Y'all not throwing. And I'm not even saying he's got to score every time down. But just getting your best players involved in actions is going to open up stuff for your everybody else. We were putting Jaren in screen and roll actions as a pick and roll guy. I haven't seen yeah. Jenkins do that consistently since year two. Since year two, This is the first time I've seen it in a minute consistently since year two. And they either scored off of it or got an assist off of it almost every time. It's not hard, but Jenkins and some of the players have a tendency of making things easy things hard. We've seen it In fourth quarters. It just just getting the ball or involve him in action. Stop acting like he's just a role player and putting him parking him in the corner like he's John Conchar. I don't need that. You he's an all star for a reason. He's an all in or all defensive player, you know defensive team guy for a reason. He you paid him all the money for a reason. He's one of your best three players. And I'm all big on you got to get your best three players involved or have a clear pecking order of where guys supposed to be. Treat him like that. Don't treat him like he's like the eighth, ninth guy. Don't do that, because then you're going to end up being in these situations where, you know, you get to the playoffs and you got to attack mismatches. That's really what it's about. And if you're not attacking a clear mismatch, you might you you're just probably not going to win. That that's a real big thing you got to do in the playoffs. So, yeah. Feed thirteen,
0: man. Y'all know the y'all know y'all know the agenda. Feed thirteen, man. I, I'm definitely the 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 walking mismatch himself. Uh, definitely, yeah. Definitely got to feed Jaren down the stretch. Uh, but that's gonna be all for us this week. Another great week. Thank you, Alex, again for coming on and co-hosting. Uh, and be sure to subscribe to the Bluff City Media Insiders. Uh, bluffcitymedia.com slash join use code nextgen for 10% off whether that is a monthly pass or a yearly pass me and Alex will be back with y'all next week keeping you updated with all the Grizzlies news and hopefully we'll have some more updates on the whole John Morant situation and maybe some of these injuries and stuff like that as well but for Alex Winton I'm Bryson Wright we'll see y'all next week